Welcome to Season 2 of the Pines and Perspectives podcast hosted by Wellhouse Church. This show understands that there is quite a bit of diversity amongst the body of Christ. So we operate according to the motto that certain things are fixed, like the essentials of faith, and the best beer is served on tap, while everything else is just a matter of perspective. What is cracking beer lovers? What's up? How we doing? Hope y'all had a good week, and we are back again. Um, we're going to have a conversation about, or continue our conversation about pneumatology um, today, and specifically, we're going to we're going to dive into some of the the, the signs and wonders type stuff. Um, but first, we got to talk about some beer. Colin, what you got? Uh, I'm pretty excited about this. Um, if you didn't know, uh, we uh, do these in a we record these in a suburb of Houston. It is currently a beautiful day in beautiful Houston, Texas. Yep. Um, and I feel absolutely great because Friday was my birthday, and I spent the entire weekend with a ton of really great people. Uh, celebrating and celebrating well, mm. as I like to say, um, whenever I talk about the John 2 passage, when Jesus turns water to wine, celebrate and celebrate well, friends, uh, but drink responsibly. Um, so in beautiful Houston, Texas, on this great and festive weekend, we showed up. All we had was stouts in the fridge. And so we were like, no, we're going to H-E-B. And... I found the dopest beer uh, that I'm really excited about. It's only 5% ABV. It's literally called the most interesting lager in the world. And that is hilarious. Um, because what style of lager is it? It's a Mexican-style lager. <laughs> <laughs> that is flipping um, hilarious. It is funny. It's from Ex Novo Brewing Company, which is in um, Corrales, New Mexico. Um, yeah, that's really all I know about it, and I'm super excited about it. Yeah. Um, so, y'all know me. I love everything real ale. Um, just about everything I've had from real ale, I have loved. Um, and actually, as I've been like going back and cataloging all these episodes, I've noticed I've done a lot of real ale. I like real ale. And I have enjoyed, I really have given really good ratings to all of the real ale stuff that we've done. But this is the Moonwalk, the Zero Gravity IPA. Um, it is 6%, and that is all I know from it, but... Y'all know that Real Ale is from Blanco, and so shout out Texas breweries. Got to support. Texas forever. Um, so I'm really excited about this because I haven't had a, an IPA from Real Ale yet, so I'm really excited. Let's do this. Cheers. Cheers. Interesting. It headed. Oh, yours did? Mm -hmm. I love Ooh. that. Yeah, that's great. That's fantastic. Um, very well balanced, slightly malt forward. Um, 
lots of I don't actually know what the hot blend is, but I'm getting very mosaic centennial vibes. Oh, okay. Um, it's great. Um And this is an honest score because me and Cullen were talking about this. I don't know if we talked about it last week. We did. This is an honest score, not like an inflated score. This is like an honest 7-6. Hmm. Wow. I really enjoy that a lot. I would keep that around if I could afford it. Great. Um, <coughs> mine is very good. Um, That's good. The name must be satirical. Um because it it tastes like a very good, very standard, very traditional um, Mexican lager. Love it. Yeah, a six eight. Uh, it's exactly what it's supposed to be. Yeah, six eight. It's very good. It's a good. It is a good solid beer. Yeah, love that. I love a good Mexican malt though. Oh like, yeah. Oh my gosh, is that not like delicious? Uh, serve that with some queso and some chips. You're gonna have a grand time. Especially on days like this, where it's oh, yeah. hot, the crisp, refreshing, yeah, and like some chicken fajitas coming, like oh man, unbeatable. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about some pneumatology stuff. Let's do it. The pneumatology part two begins with pneumatology in church history. Now, I got to tell you, this is one of the reasons I start to get weird about church councils throughout church history and giving all of them the weight that I give to Nicaea. Mm -hmm. Now, to be fair, I do give some weight to Constantinople because Constantinople is the council that does the Holy Spirit addition to the Nicene Creed, which was originally in 325, now in 381. It's ratified with the uh, Holy Spirit language. So I do owe that element to them, but I don't really take any of their other stuff as really, like, I don't know, like, ground setting. Right. Um, Because... There's really a lot of moving parts about all of this and how it works. And and honestly, a lot of it is who's on top at what time mm. in the way the politics of it all are playing out. And like they open talking about Irenaeus. Right. But yeah, Irenaeus yeah. is not even really having a Holy Spirit conversation. He's having a Gnostic conversation, right. which definitely impacts a spirit conversation. Sure. But Irenaeus is not yeah. really talking about pneumatology. No. Directly and explicitly and definitely not in mass volume. So I do want to briefly look at the third article of the Nicene Creed that, um, which is the Holy spirit. The text says, we believe in the Holy spirit, the Lord, the giver of life who proceeds from the father who with the father and son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. Um, that's how the Nicene Creed is and is written or at least the piece about the holy spirit correct we need to talk about the fallokwe controversy okay fallokwe controversy is rooted in this and it has to do with that second clause 
Filoque means uh, it's Latin and it means like and the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, the Filoque issue has to do with the second clause of the Holy Spirit's article on the Nicene Creed, who proceeds from the Father, Filoque, and the Son. The question is whether or not you include the Son. Western Christianity wants to include and the Son. Right. Eastern Christianity does not. Yep. Not even a little bit. Um. And here's the crazy part. It's really not all that crazy. I think you have a suspicion. You might know what I'm going to say. Um, they both felt the way they felt because they were both reading the Bible. Right. They were just reading it differently. Yeah. Um, and so, long story short, it ends up, the Philoquy controversy, um, ends up leading to the Great Schism. Right. The... Um, The Latin West or the Roman Catholic Church excommunicated the East. Right. Do with that what you will. Um, That's a controversial thing. Well, and here's the deal. Real, realistically, it feels more like... The Philoquy controversy feels more like a controversy of power and authority more so than it does of... Actual pneumatology. Yeah. Uh, there's also some stuff happening around the same time. Ow. Uh, sorry, I just bumped my thing. Uh, he bumped, bumped the, his elbow. He no, hit his I funny bumped, bone. No, I bumped my oh. shoulder. Oh. Uh, on the bookshelf behind me. Um, anyways, so the Philoquy controversy, like the whole thing feels more about power and authority and who who has... Power and authority, right. Latin West, like more macro level stuff. Uh, there's also some stuff happening around communion, but um, then the Holy Spirit, you know, continues to be a thing through uh, the late medieval era and the Reformation period, um, even even to the point that you will get some people, like for instance, specifically in the Reformation area. Um, You cannot experience salvation without the work of the Holy Spirit. Right. Um, And they believe it's because the Spirit is the unique person of God that reveals the truth of Scripture. Sure. Um, So, Spirit and Neutology, very big. In late uh, Middle Ages and in the Reformation period. And that led, you know, up to Methodism and like the Wesleyan tradition, which is what Pentecostalism was born out of. Um, Modernity is the one that really messed up the spirit. Yeah. It wasn't really the church or a denomination. It was modernity. It was the philosophical movement of modernity that took away the the kind of beauty of... Well, it, it was the conservatism that stripped a lot of that 
Am I correct in saying that? The what do you mean by conservatism? So like we we talk about um like the 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 functional deism type deal as being like a more conservative view um like lending more towards the Karl Barth stuff. Am I correct? Um yeah, kind of. You're doing some carryover of some bigger pieces that are not 100% in alignment, but yeah, the, you, the but general you see premise. What I'm, sa- what I'm trying to say. The general premise of what you're trying to communicate does hold true. You probably shouldn't call it conservative view because there are lots of oh, non conservative people fair. that are deists as well. That's fair. Um, but Pentecostalism is what people really think of when you talk about the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah, yeah. And. They've tried to really track Pentecostalism through three waves of Pentecostal, almost like they tried to do with feminism. It doesn't work near as well. Uh, the first one is in the early 1900s, around 1905, with Azusa Street and the revivals. Second wave of Pentecostalism is in the 1960s and 70s, where Pentecostalism began to make a move through mainline traditions. Yeah. And then third third wave is like now. Right. Um And it is still very much alive, folks. Oh, so this is a great question. Is it? Oh, well, I wasn't saying like, I'm saying that Pentecostalism as a belief system is still very much alive. Oh, yeah, it's the fastest growing. Well, one of the charismatics in general are the fastest growing. Um, Pentecostals make up a large number of them. Right. Um, But that is a good, do we want to have that conversation? Yeah, it's in the book. All right. Um... I don't know. So I guess we need to set up the... I guess we need to talk about cessationism first. Mm-hmm. Um, cessationism being the idea that some of the higher spiritual gifts have ceased. Um, so tongues, prophecy, miraculous healing. Um, uh, we have a friend uh, that likes to talk about apostleship as a higher gift as well um i'm not sure that i want to put that in there but um that those gifts no longer exist or have ceased from being why did they cease uh they ceased at the end of canonical scripture correct yeah why i don't actually remember you tell me. Yeah, no, nobody really knows. Okay. It's just because some dude made up an argument that he'd never seen miracles, so it must have ended long before his time because surely there was no way that he could not be privy to every move of God. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that's that's a really like satirical oversimplification of the argument, but that really is very close to how it started. Okay. Um. Yeah. Fooey on that. No, God is every bit still at work and moving in the same ways and greater ways than they have always been moved. Sure. Yeah. I am not a cessationist. I believe that all those gifts still exist and will exist because the Holy Spirit still exists. Um, and I believe in the priesthood of all believers and that um, the same Holy Spirit that the apostles experienced is the same Holy Spirit that we're experiencing today. 
I agree with that. Okay. Um, that is my belief. You were, you were allowed to have your own. Correct. That is pints and perspectives. Correct. I do want to talk about this idea of the baptism of the Holy Spirit versus just regular old baptism. Sure. Okay. Baptism is littered throughout the biblical text. It is everywhere. Yeah. It is a cleansing ritual. It is what it began as. That is what it is used for. Um, Some may argue, and I think there is quite a bit of precedence for it, that when... um, When David sees Bathsheba cleaning herself, you could say baptizing herself. She is doing a cleansing ritual. That right. is the idea that it comes out of. Right. There, <laughs> excuse me. <clears throat> there were these baptismal pools in front of most cities, specifically Jewish cities. Um, and when you came in, um, if, you, if, if you needed cleansing... Mm-hmm. You went into the baptismal pool, and you went down seven steps, found a plateau, submerged yourself, and walked up seven steps. A perfect offering of sin going down, a dunking for cleaning, and a perfect uh, seven steps into newness on the way out. Mm -hmm. That's what a baptismal pool was. It's not until John, the, um, the Baptist, the baptizer, um, that he starts dunking people in the river. Yeah. And that's just, he's a crazy old Nazarite kook uh, that he was like, hey, I'm putting it in the river. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't really know. Um, but so he starts doing it in the river, and Jesus gets baptized by him. Now, when you get to Acts, which if you're not listening to my stories or a closer look, you will not know this. I am preaching through the book of Acts this year um, up until Advent. Uh, spoiler alert, my Easter sermon is the conversion of Saul uh, on the road to Damascus. Which I'm glad is dope, that you could work it out that way. That's which is great. dope. Yeah, I did I did craft it. That's how it would happen. So that's great. Um anyways. So in the book of Acts, as it goes through, there's this precedent that baptism happens immediately. Right. Well, as it goes, the reason is because Jesus' baptism. What happens at Jesus' baptism? The well, the Spirit, Spirit descends, descends upon down. him like a dove. Yeah. Um, and so baptism begins to be associated with the giving of the Spirit. Right. <clears throat> well, then there's this strange text in John chapter... or. Um, in Acts chapter 10, one story short, some disciples of John show up and they only know a baptism of John and they don't know a baptism of the Holy Spirit. There are two ways you can interpret this. One, 
that there actually is a baptism of the Holy Spirit that is some kind of special dispensation of God's Spirit upon people right. that makes them do miraculous gifts or sure. gives them the ability to. The other way you can read that, and this is the way I read it, this is not the only way to read it. This does not make my way correct. This is just how I read it. Um, if they only know a baptism by John, then they can't know a message of the gospel because they do not know the message of Jesus' crucifixion. If they were baptized by John, they were baptized pre-crucifixion resurrection. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is to be baptized on this side of Pentecost and this side of the resurrection in fullness of interpretation. So walk that out for me why the baptism of John has to be pre-crucifixion resurrection. Uh, because John the Baptist died. Before. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. John the Baptist. My yeah. bad. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm tracking now. Good, yeah, good, yeah. good, good, good. Yeah, yeah. So those are the two ways you can read it. Hmm. Pentecostals have chosen to read it as there is a like second dispensation of the Spirit, usually embodied or as evidenced by, is the language they like to use, speaking in tongues. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Do with it what you will. I, I think it's a... I think that's a reading of the text. Um, and I think it's an okay reading of the text. Uh, well, I think they're both readings of the text. I right. think they're both fine. I don't think either one does harm except in some kind of form of like elitism. Right. Um, which in some traditions has proven to be true. Um, that it does create a form of elitism. Um, and that even in some extreme cases, cases of Pentecostalism that you can't experience salvation without that. But I don't think that that is the majority narrative. Um, would you agree with that? What, that it's elitism? Not uh, in all situations. Like, most of the situations is that, yeah, like, this is a thing that also exists, as well as, like, just believing in Jesus. No, because lots of, like, true Pentecostal churches have it written in their bylaws that people who have not evidenced the baptism of the Holy Spirit by speaking in tongues cannot have board member seats. Interesting. Now, I, I, I do not know Pentecostal tradition well enough to know if that's the case mm. as a majority. I do know charismatic tradition, and mm. that is not the case. Right. Because charismatic is, is much larger than just... Well, no, charismatic is what you're talking about. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like, oh, yeah, there's no elitism. It's like, it's this thing that happens because charismatics... But, Second wave Pentecostalism. Right. It's just when they went into the high church stuff. Yeah. So charismatic is just somebody that does charismata mm -hmm. in another setting. They're not right. Pentecostal. Right. Agreed. Okay. Okay. So in conclusion, although much Christian theology tends to focus on the father and the son, we, this is from Ben and Randy's book, we have seen that the Holy Spirit is just as integral to the identity of God and the narrative of Scripture. The Spirit plays an active role in engaging the church, both now with His personal presence 
and in the future as he ensures our hope of resurrection. Accordingly, as the church lives in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, it lives in the fullness of the kingdom of God and experiences the Spirit's fruit and gifts. The Holy Spirit should be active in the world. Oh yeah. If you if you find if you find yourself as a Christian and you do not see evidence of the Holy Spirit's activity in the world that God is intervening on behalf of humanity, uh, reach out to me. Instagram, yeah. email, whatever, how, Clayton, whoever you yeah, feel yeah, more comfortable yeah. with. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Holy Spirit, every bit should be active. And there are ways for us to show you um, the ways she is active as we go about life and ministry and um, observing through the lens of our own worldview. Because you're going to see things in a way that won't be exactly how I see things. Mm. Clayton's going to see things in a way mm-hmm. not exactly how I see things. So you're going to see evidence of divinity in places I can't see it. Yep. And I'm going to see evidence of divinity in places that both of you can't see it. Yep. And yet still, you're going to see divinity in places that neither of us can see it. Yep. Because... Spirit works in different ways. Well, the spirit is at work in a kingdom, mm. a community yeah. of people, Ooh. a community of people that they, God, divinity, are working and molding to shape into great humans and yeah. people of goodness and kindness and justice and righteousness and all these things. The spirit is at work in a plethora of people, in a plethora of ways, and needs a myriad of options for how to make their presence known in the lives of people and those around them. Yeah. And you know one simple practice that I know you and I both do, um, but in formal prayer settings, like in our gatherings, when we do, and I know this isn't practice in presence, but it, it helps to to interact with the Spirit, but in formal prayer settings like in our gatherings when we do Lectio Divina um, I like to keep my eyes open while we pray because I want to see how the spirit is moving in the people around me um, and best know how to pray for them and interact with them like if, if, our, if our eyes are closed and the spirit's moving and somebody's crying you can't like address that in prayer in that moment Um, that's just one way that I like to experience the spirit. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, everybody can do it differently. There are, I I also keep my eyes in prayer. uh, I keep my eyes open in prayer for a different reason. Similar. There is some crossover, but, uh, the primary reason why I started opening my eyes was a little different. Mm. Um, and mainly it's because when I close my eyes, my mind would just wander. Mm. I just, I did better just looking at an empty, like looking at the floor. Mm. Um, and then once I started having my eyes open, I saw God at work and I was like, why would anyone ever close their eyes? Yeah. Like, golly. Um, so yeah, there, there are lots of different ways that, that you can witness the spirit at work. That's one way, but heck, I mean, 
If you if you're if you're driving down the road and and somebody in a car in front of you gives a homeless person money, spirits at work. Mm. Ooh, yes. The spirit is at work in goodness and justice and righteousness, even if they're not doing it in the in like in the name of God. Mm. Do not think that God's purposes are not served in those moments. Um, I heard someone say one time, um, if we truly believe that uh, God only moves in the things uh, that God initiates, ordains, and or uh, stamps his seal of approval on, uh, we'd never drive a car. Mm, yeah, fair we'd enough. never drive on a road. Paul would have never done what he did because he needed Roman roads to get around. Mm. If you need, if God must have everything for his stamp of approval, it's just not going to happen. Well, you're living in the world of the forms. You are. That's a, Yeah. So, church. Maybe let's look like open our eyes around us and see the work of the Spirit in the world. Even if that's just the wind blowing on your face, you can experience the spirit in so many different ways. So whether you fall into the charismatic category or not, let's not stifle the work of the spirit. Because that's kind of a big deal that some pretty important people talked about. Um, let's not stifle the work of the spirit. Let's open our eyes and be open to experience the spirit the way that the spirit wants us to experience it. Thanks for listening to the Pints and Perspectives podcast hosted by Wellhouse Church. Be sure to give us a rating and a review if you enjoyed the episode. It's free and it helps us immensely. Also, feel free to check out our other podcasts.